0: Hey, everybody. I'm Neil Blackman. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. Uh, Thanks for joining us on today's show. Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com and myself will answer a bunch of listener questions about the roster, about new Gator commit Quez Glover, the point guard out of Knoxville uh, that committed to Florida this week. And we will also talk McDonald's All-American game, Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann, and... um, Just kind of how we see them fitting into the program next year. Kind of a deeper dive into that. Everybody knows they're good. We're going to get into specific roles. So thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for everybody that's been dropping a a rating on the show at iTunes. And, And thanks again for all the listener questions. They really do make the show better and we appreciate it. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We wanted to start this week's show, which is intended to be a, a roster breakdown um, show of returning players and then listener questions. But we wanted to start with um, the McDonald's All-American game because we didn't get to get to it because so many people transferred at the same time. Uh, so we like did this emergency transfer show. And Eric, uh, we saw the McDonald's game. Both of us, I know, we texted back and forth. Some, you know, during the McDonald's All American Week, Florida first time they've had two McDonald's All Americans since Casey Hill and Chris Walker. A lot of reason to believe these two guys are going to be uh, <laughs> quite a bit more productive. I, I think so. And uh, you know
1: what? I think I think Casey Hill. Uh, obviously, uh, when you he look had at a good fact, career, uh, we should he say did that, have a good career. That's and that's what I was just gonna get yeah. at. Is, like I I mean, I think he might have had one of the like like he was right in the like perfect era of when like mixtapes of high school players was kind of at its peak and he still might have had like the best one. So like, you know, maybe it was like well, I shouldn't say maybe. So he he didn't live up to, to that, but he's had a really, really good career and I do think people need to remember that, um, talking about Casey Hill. But uh the other thing about like Chris Walker and um I think that he was still, again, he was also a product of the, uh, of the high school kind of like mixtape explosion. And, uh, the thing about him is I don't think he actually had, had as well of a, a kind of projected role. Like if you look at a player like that, um, you're like, okay, he's like six nine, six ten, and like 190 pounds, but he can throw down wicked dunks. But it's also like, well, what exactly do you do, you do with a guy like that in college? So, um, I I think his role was a lot less projectable. So I think um, when you look at Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis, I think that it's a lot easier to just imagine what they'll be at the college level. And uh, yeah, so like Neil said, I I do think that, um, uh, you know, though this is uh, the the comparison of these two to uh, the last two McDonald's All-Americans, Casey Hill and Chris Walker is uh, just kind of funny because I don't think those two players' uh, careers kind of went the way that you would have expected. Um, Yeah, I still think it's just very, very cool that Florida has two McDonald's All-Americans.
0: Yeah, it's really neat. Where where should which one should we start with? Let's you know, I mean, because I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. There there's the there's Trey Man, guard from the Villages, right down the road. Um, Grew up a Gator fan. Grew up in Gainesville. Uh, You know, I mean, like homegrown McDonald's All American is kind of a cool story. But there's also Scotty Lewis, who might be uh, one of the more talented players to come through the program ever.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that really struck me about um, the McDonald's All-American experience and Scotty Lewis is just what everyone was saying about the practices. And I know that a lot of, um, you know, the game is what's televised and the game is what everyone is kind of uh, has their eyes on. Uh, But what's kind of really more important to the experience is what goes on during the camps and getting evaluated by those uh, uh, by the NBA scouts that are there. And uh, and the thing is, I mean, with the drills that they're able to do, you're going to see, honestly, a lot more of what the player is like than you're going to see in a, you know, a 40 minute exhibition basketball game where um, there's not a lot of kind of flow or defense being played or, or, or whatever, whatever. So I uh, just to hear so many people's reports of Scotty Lewis from, um, um, from just, uh, when they were kind of running the drills and, and doing the things, uh, in the week leading up to all, the McDonald's all American game. I think that's what was just, uh, so encouraging, I guess, for Gators fans. And, uh, and also just to hear, uh, on the broadcast just that everyone is just raving about Scotty Lewis. It's, uh, I think he might've been the most discussed player by, um, everyone they had on the broadcast just from his, um, uh, from his just kind of mostly his just work ethic and competitiveness and also the way that he was kind of sitting down and, and locking down on defense and, uh, you know, his ability to to hit shots. Uh, he wasn't able to kind of hit one of those step back jumpers we saw a little bit at, uh, during his high school season that he's kind of really worked on. Um, but just the way he was kind of still productive, he scored on a really nice cut just because he you know, backdoored his man when he wasn't looking um, just to kind of show his athleticism. He had a couple kind of coast to coast drives. And uh, just the stuff that makes you just think like, yeah, this is um, this is translatable to the college game because it's not like he's hitting just these ridiculous. um, He's not just hitting these ridiculous jump shots or it's like, oh, he needs to dunk the basketball to be effective. It's like, wow, this guy can just score off cutting really hard, can score off running in transition, can defend his position amongst the the best of them against some of the best players. And uh, yeah, just stuff that makes him uh, uh, just a, a very, very exciting player that I just can't wait to see in Florida
0: so um those are all awesome points and i'm glad (laughs) we started with him i'm I'm just gonna so you know if, if you've listened to the show a long time you know that we're not like hot take people so my hot take is that that lewis is is a top five draft pick and that that he's he's at florida for one year and we should really enjoy it um and I think you saw why he's going to be a top five draft pick all of McDonald's week. Like Eric said, everyone gushed about the way he practiced. So it's not like he's a gamer. Like he's somebody that, you Mike White talked a lot about this year about how people practice and how the, the thing about the culture was there were only a couple people who you knew what they brought every day. And Scotty Lewis is a culture changer in that regard. Um, you could just tell, I mean, they talked about his energy being sort of infectious and the way that he affected teammates. Um Jay Williams noted that that he's not just a good perimeter defender for like a high school player. He's probably a good perimeter defender like for a pro already. <laughs> um mm. and yeah, I mean the jump shot Eric talked about, he's worked on it. And I you know, I've no doubt that he'll continue to relentlessly work on it. Uh we kind of talked about when he first committed, we were doing the show, and we talked about how, hey, he's, you know, he's a little bit of a work in progress on offense, which could frighten some people. that are like, well, Florida really needs offense. But the thing is, Florida's culture has just been defined defensively, and I think Lewis will change and improve the way Florida can defend next season. And you have to think about that in the context of, of this, Eric, where Florida struggled in games against
1: elite guards – Lewis is going to be able to lock down elite guards. I, I mean, just the fact that, that Florida was an elite defensive team this year without an elite wing defender, which is kind of like what you most teams that are really good defensively, um, prototypically, they have really good defensive wings. I mean, look at Michigan. Um, look at Texas Tech, two of the best defenses in the country this year, and just look at how their rosters are, are kind of constructed. Um, so uh, I just think, again, you see that Florida was you know, a top 15 team defensively. Kind of all season without a lot of elite defenders. I mean, you get Scotty Lewis on that team, and, and yeah, <laughs> I think it's going to be crazy. Uh, in terms of top five pick, I mean, that's kind of interesting. It'll depend a little bit on uh, on uh, on maybe if there's some names that go this year versus next year. Um, I just looking at the class, obviously, um, like James Wiseman is probably going to be in the mix for for you know the top five, and and Anthony Edwards and Cole Anthony, um, those guards, I, I'd probably think they would have to be ahead, maybe like. Ooh, like, uh, uh, that's actually a good question. You know, maybe he could go top five now that I think I, Vernon Carey, I guess, like. Well, it's a hot take because it might be wrong, right? Like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's tough. Like, there's obviously not a lot of top five pick. Here's a question. Do you think, if you had to guess right now, who do you think goes higher in the draft? Um, Scotty Lewis or his high school teammate, Brian Antoine?
0: So I think Lewis goes higher. And the other thing I think is interesting to me is, um, you know, look, Anthony Edwards is the leader in the class to go number one, right? But – and he's going to Georgia. And Tom Crean has a really good history with off-ball guards, right? So I think it's actually a good college choice for Edwards. And I'm sure a pretty easy sell for Crean on that – in that regard. Like, forget that it's Georgia. Look at the off-ball guards I've coached, right? Um, I don't know how much of the ball he's going to have to have at Georgia. And I don't know how much – you know, anything that happens at Georgia will necessarily affect his NBA draft stock. But the other people that are like in that mix from two to ten, like Lewis is the guy who seems to be everybody's kind of like, whoa, he's still getting better. Like, obviously. So if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and again, I do think that he's got a pretty projectable um kind of role, obviously. Um the one thing that I think might be concerning from an NBA standpoint, and this is something that even struck me at the McDonald's all American game, is that um like he's not big. Like, I mean he's six five and I think he's got but I mean his his frame is not um he's, he's a little wiry. Yeah. yeah, he's a little wiry. So I mean you look at um yeah, I just wonder if um uh, like I've you know like he'll have to bulk up a little bit to be an NBA three so right now I think he's he's you know I think he could play the three in the NBA and you see teams kind of rolling out but um for for someone who's probably going to be uh you know being a stopper is is probably his is you know biggest NBA role um I mean usually like those guys to be more like six seven in long arms so um and a little thicker so yeah um at the same time I I think that um also, he's a guy that's going to absolutely wow you in interviews. And I think the teams that just, like, talk to him are going to say, like, wow, that's someone I want to draft because he's a brilliant young man who um, is incredibly mature and uh, is probably ready for uh, the rigors of pro basketball. And, and and I think that stuff like that is going to um, really help. But, yeah, there's going to be some interesting, like, um, like if, if Lou Dort from Arizona State decides to come back or something or um, some some players like that or if, like, Lindell Wigginton uh, some other kind of uh, some of these other kind of like wing guard type guys, um, if they maybe stay and to see how they do next year, um, that'll be something to watch, but, uh, yeah. Hey, I, I do I think Scotty Lewis is going to be a lottery pick? Absolutely. So, um, you know, once you're kind of in that mix, uh, what, yeah, what kind of stops you from, from maybe going in the top five? Yeah. And look, I
0: mean, if the, the difference really is the evaluation, cause Eric just hinted at it. Is it like you're a wing stopper, you're Andre Roberson, uh, with, with a little more offensive ability and not quite as much length or are you Andre Iguodala, right? Like, so I think those are kind of, those are probably the like two things that stand out the most about him to me when I watch him play. Um, You know, if I was going to compare him to two pros and both those guys, you know, at least have been, one, one has been an all-star per nearly and the other starts. So, you know, I don't know. Um, but that's kind of my hot take on him and, and it's a good time to transition to Trey Mann. And I think, what we should say about Trey man is his practices were really good too. I think was kind of the, the
1: takeaway a lot of people had. Yeah. I mean, there's just some video too of him and some one-on-one drills and he's just so silky. Like he's (laughs) just such a smooth athlete. Like he's just fun to watch. Like uh, he's just got like, he's got that kind of like where he's just like can kind of dribble the ball just like left to right and just kind of like lulls the defender to sleep he's just kind of got that little like with that rhythm to his game and and i really love it and and i mean yeah did he have a great McDonald's all-star game no he didn't unfortunately he hit a deep three late but like i i don't know that doesn't matter to me that's not the setting for um for a lot of guys so um yeah i i'm really excited for him like i just think um to have someone like that who can score with a little more a little more size whether he's um kind of going to be a, a a guy who plays the point or maybe not especially with um you know a new commitment which we'll talk later but um just to kind of see but to just have that versatility of a guy who can either be a secondary ball handler and score um i, I see him as a guy who's just yeah i could totally be instant offense off the bench um that would be great uh someone who um someone who's got some good length and I think has some good defensive instincts. Um, I'm not sure if I, you know, think he's going to be a defensive stopper right now as a, as a freshman or anything. Probably, probably not just because there's not a lot of guys that are defensive stoppers as freshmen, but, uh, but yeah, just still everything I heard just, again, just makes me really excited for him as well. And um, it's just crazy because I think that um, if Florida didn't have Scotty Lewis and uh, Trey Mann was their top recruit, I mean, there'd just be so much talk about Trey Mann right now. And it's kind of unfortunate for him that, uh, you know he's the hometown hero that um, is a really good recruit, a McDonald's All-American that stays home, and he gets talked to a little bit less than Scotty Lewis. And I mean that's also just a testament to how great Scotty Lewis is. But it's like, man, let's like let's not forget that in most seasons, um, most years, Trey Mann is like a stud recruit that would be just you know all Florida fans would be talking about.
0: So he didn't play against us, I, like I've mentioned on the show. He he sat out as it would have been a third game in three days, but but he. Uh he he's super competitive. Um, just like, you know, just like Lewis really in that regard, like just hates losing. Uh, and, and, and I think people kind of were, you know, wondering, you know, cause Andrew is such a quiet guy and, and Locke appears to be tough as nails, but is kind of a quiet guy. So you had Keontae Johnson kind of being the vocal guy, uh, and now you're going to have Scotty Lewis and Keontae, and I think Trey Mann gives Florida that edge too that, that Mike White was looking for a lot this season. The other thing he gives Florida is two things. I think, I think um, one is he's really good off the pick and roll. I think he's going to be really effective um, because he has he has such a nice first step, and because like Eric said, he can kind of lull you to sleep on the bounce, uh, and then. You know, I think he's got a lot of range. I mean, he can he can just pull up and create offense and create his own shot. And Florida doesn't have a lot of that. And the shot, like, looks good. It's not
1: like, yeah. I hope it's not crooked tonight. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just think Florida just needs guys like that, whether it's end of shot clock or end of game. Um, having some guys who can create their own offense, uh, that was a big struggle this year because um, they're guys who could create offense on their own where um, – we Jalen Hudson, like hypothetically, but that shot just never fell for him and, and Kayvon Allen, who is just not a great scorer in, in isolation, but those were the, the guys Florida had and um, I think that's why Florida's kind of record in, in close games just hasn't been great. So um, to have a guy like Trey Mann, who's going to force teams to, uh, to, to kind of ch- have to pick their poison a little bit with now a few guys that Florida has that can score in these late situations um the other thing too is yeah if you have Trey Mann kind of at the point at times um he's probably gonna have a smaller guy on him that, that he could get a shot off on and uh yeah like you know like I I, I do think Scotty Lewis is you know the probably well he's definitely the better NBA prospect but if we were to you know if we're having this podcast at the identical time next year in the summer um it would not surprise me at all if we're both like yeah you know what like I think Trey Mann had a better season. Um, and it's not because not because of anything uh, Scotty Lewis did wrong. Just because, like, man, when you can score um, on a team that kind of needs that, um, yeah, he could end up playing just a really major role.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, um, I think both these guys address significant needs on a roster that had its flaws that we discussed a lot <laughs> during the season, which seems like a decent place to transition to um, returning roster. And so the the players coming back, uh, we're going to get into, but actually I don't think I want to transition there because we wanted to talk about the new commitment that joins them that also addresses a roster need. Uh, Florida adds a commitment from Quez Glover, who is a point guard um, from Bearden High School, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Florida fans will be familiar with Bearden um, and Knoxville guards because of Lee Humphrey. Uh, which turned out pretty good, um, you know, Eric. Your first thoughts on on uh, on Glover, who kind of was a guy that flew onto big programs' radars very late.
1: Yeah, I I just watch him play, and I don't really know how uh, how it took so long for him to get these offers. I mean, <laughs> uh, it was almost like it was almost too good to be true, just watching him play and just saying like, yeah, you know what? He's undersized, but um, he's getting his shot off. Um, he can, he's scoring at a high rate. Um, he's defending his position at a high rate. So it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me that he's, you know, five eleven. Um, the other thing that just struck me totally was, uh, the fact that when he committed, um, this has never happened to, you know, as much before with anyone, but just the sheer amount of fans of other teams that were just like messaging me on Twitter, tweeting me on Twitter that were like you guys got a good one. And there was a ton of Tennessee fans that were like legitimately mad that Tennessee couldn't land this guy. And there was a ton of guys that like, that were saying like, yeah, Tennessee is going to absolutely regret it. And there's a lot of people saying, cause I'm not even sure if Tennessee offered him in the end. And I know a lot of Tennessee fans, cause <laughs> judging by um, a whole lot of Tennessee fans being like, wow, how could you kind of lose this guy? Um, just like so just so many people from so many circles so many fan bases um coaches from teams that like yeah i played against him you're super respectful the guys love him um uh the fact that he's got a yale offer because he and he's got a 3.9 gpa uh just everything about him just seems seems wonderful and i like like i said i mean i was kind of searching for like man why like what's uh what what happened that, that led this guy to not being um, kind of recruited and, and I'm getting, getting, getting to interview, interview him later this week. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting to know him a little bit more. Um, but just everything about him from people saying, um, he's a great player. Um, he's a great guy. He's intelligent. Um, yeah, it just seems like Florida got a really good one.
0: So you've got the, the mini scouting report from, from Eric, my thoughts on, on his game or the two things that stand out to me are one is his speed. Um, it's just next level. He's, he's, I actually think he's a little faster than Chris Chiosa. I know that's blasphemous. Um, I actually put it more like the Tyler Eulis category of speed, which is why I dropped that name and got some pushback. Oh, Tyler Eulis was a McDonald's All American. I'm like, well, yeah, Tyler Eulis didn't go to a high school where there's not much basketball tradition like Wes Clever did. You know, I mean, you wonder if Quez Glover had gone to St. Anthony's or some, you know, power. I guess St. Anthony's isn't a thing anymore, but you get the point I'm making. Like, if he goes to a basketball factory, he's a high four-star watching his video, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, That's just kind of my take on it. And so that's why I dropped the Ulysses. The other guy reminds me of is Key Clark, who uh, is going to start in the Final Four this weekend. And I really liked that comp. Um because, and it's funny because I texted Eric, why does he play so much? And then Key Clark, like, read my text message in the middle of the Elite Eight game and was like, I'm going to put on a video for Neil about why I play that much. That's how I felt watching the rest of that game. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, that's funny how that works out.
0: Like, it just does so many things that impact winning and then made that pass to get Virginia to overtime um, in what was a sensational basketball game. But so that's similar because. Glover had UMKC in Wichita State were like his offers. <laughs> and Key Clark had an offer from UC Santa Barbara uh, when Virginia got a hold of some film. And it was the same process. Individual workout like Quest Glover had for Al Pinkins. Bring in Tony Bennett, watch all his games as fast as you can and make him an offer. And it all happened in a week for Key Clark. And he went yeah. from you know so. So that's why I liked that comp. Um, I think he's, look, I don't think he's going to be quite, you know, I don't know. We'll find out defensively where he is. And his build is a little different than Chiosa's build because people want to keep making the Chiosa comp because a small guard from Tennessee. Um, but, but one thing you notice is, is Chris looks a little more comfortable scoring than Chris did when he got to Florida.
1: Absolutely. He's, uh, and, and again, the fact that he was able to score really efficiently too, like, uh, just looking at his numbers on, uh, on the Under Armour circuit, he was like hovering around 50% from the three point line. And, <laughs> uh, and I mean, uh, so, and this is just something that, uh, that Malik Grady, um, just kind of messaged before. And uh, I really appreciated this. Um, but he found a bunch of his stats from his high school season. Um, so this is, uh, this is what Malik Grady found. He kind of sent along the prep circuit uh, thing as well, but yeah. So he averaged 21.1 points. And shot forty three percent from the three point line, so and and eighty five percent from the free throw line, which is very high for a high school player. Like, yeah. So like, and, and again, just watching his film is just like, like these are like he could get he could get easy shots at the rim. He could hit tough shots when he needed to. Um, and then just one thing too is just the fact that um, uh, what again in terms of like, oh, I was looking for his games as soon as he committed him, and you know what do I find is the obviously first is is the game where he um. Uh, where they played against uh, against Memphis East with, uh, you know, the number one player in the country, James Wiseman. Um, and that was a game where, yeah, where uh, Quez Glover led his team to victory, and he was the best player on the floor. And that's with, um, you know, James Wiseman in the game and Malcolm yeah, Tanner. Yeah, of- top recruit in a lot of rankings. And, I mean, again, like, you know, James Wiseman's seven foot and Quez Glover's 5'11". So, I mean, it's not like I'm saying, like, head-to-head or whatever, but, I mean, still, like... Um, you know, Memphis East is a team that should have won that game. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, uh, like Neil was saying, about that's, you know, it's a little different in basketball tradition between the two. And uh, so just to see Quez Glover um, just kind of leading his team and, uh, and scoring at a high rate, like, I, and that's something too. I think you, a lot of times you see these, you see these small guards and you think like, Oh yeah. Like um, Chris Gioza and Tyler Ulysses that defend. And, and that's kind of one of their biggest, uh, biggest roles. And, and I think there could be an element of that with, with Quez Glover, but, uh, but yeah, his ability to shoot the basketball, like, um i mean if he's if he's an elite elite or if he's a really good defender that also can shoot like forty percent from the three point line i mean right there you've got a really really good point guard. like even if he's not um an incredible you know pick and roll player or something like that even though i had one coach tell me he could uh, he could really work out of the pick and roll but um <laughs> yeah i just uh yeah just everything that's uh everything i've heard just baffles me that he doesn't have um kind of more offers and more uh uh so so i'm so maybe this is like you know, maybe it's just, it is too good to be true, but right now it just seems really, really good.
0: Well, look, I mean, like I said, there there are a lot of similarities to the Key Clark situation. I, I'm not saying that they're the same player, I'm just saying there's a lot of similarities to it, and a lot of people that wondered why, you know, Key Clark played as much as he did for the ACC champions this year, and now they're in the Final Four, and he'll start, so uh, that's one, and, and I, I the ULIS comparison, so people understand where I'm coming from, that's just about speed. I don't think You know, I don't think they're similar in terms of like what I saw with Glover is he's he's pretty comfortable shooting from the perimeter, something Eulis wasn't really. Um, But, you know, nobody was going to argue with Tyler Eulis getting inside and getting fouled and doing things that you shouldn't really be able to do at that size. So um, it's not really the comp I'm making. But the other two points I wanted to make real quick on Glover were one, it's an Al Pinkins evaluation, Um, it's a guy that that Tennessee was, was going to swoop in and take, if they had room, they were waiting on some things like Grant Williams, namely. Um, and Pinkins wanted to make the evaluation, set up the private workout and Al Pinkins evaluations of these like diamonds in the rough, the track record's pretty good. Just mentioned Grant Williams, uh, Admiral Schofield. It's why he went to Tennessee was coach Pinkins, uh, Jared Culver, who, in my opinion, no no disrespect to Cassius Winston, we can all fight about this if you guys want, um, is the best player at the Final Four. <laughs> so uh, I'm just dropping the hot takes today, Eric. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, look, uh, if he's not the best player at the Final Four, he's one of the two and he plays the other one on uh, Saturday. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at on it. Like you have to trust Al Pickens' type of valuation here. Um, and it also gives Florida roster flexibility would be my second point um, because it allows you to spell Andrew Nimhardt some next year. Like Quest Glover is not coming to redshirt. He's coming to play. And it gives Florida a chance to sit Andrew a little more. Andrew played 82% of Florida's minutes, and it felt like more than that, uh, to be honest. And um, it also kind of, I think, simplifies things for Trey Mann, right? Like the idea is – now Trey Man doesn't really have to be forced to play point guard. Um, he can he can play you know two guard as secondary ball handler, and just focus
1: on what he does best, which is get baskets. Right, I, I think I kind of like Trey Man, um, kind of not as the primary ball handler a little bit, at least to start. Just because, and I mean the other thing too is right now, and something we're going to talk about more is like yeah, Florida does not have a lot on the wings right now, and I think that might force you know Trey Man at the two a lot more if if nothing else. So. Uh, and the other thing too I just really like the idea of is is just like the change of pace between Andrew nemhart and uh and Quez Glover, just because yeah, Great point. Uh, you've got a little more uh, you got a little more of a of a, Andrew Emhart who's a little more controlled and play um kind of pick defenses apart, you know, to pick and roll and and go a little bit slower. And and um, you know, it's also uh, Andrew Mhart's not a guy that's gonna really get in the grill defensively of, of another player guarding him, you know, 34 feet from the hoop. Um but Quez Glover, who's um if he's like say he's playing say he even plays just 10 minutes a game or, or 11 or 12 minutes a game. Uh, I mean, he can, he's going to have the energy in 12 minutes to go really hard, really pressure the basketball. Um, just, uh, just kind of be a menace on that side of the floor. And also when he gets the ball in transition, he's going to play with the pace that, that Nemhard doesn't have. And uh, that, that I just think is kind of going to be a really cool dynamic. The fact that Florida is probably going to be able to, uh, to change pace a little bit more than they were this season. Um, a lot of the sense because they couldn't really change pace, and they didn't have a change of pace point guard. They didn't have someone who's a blur in transition, so um, they kind of played one speed. So um, I just really like the once again the versatility and also in lineups, but also just the versatility in um, in how Florida is going to be able to attack off, off an opponent's miss shot just with uh, the difference between Nemhard and, and Glover.
0: Yeah, I think that's a terrific point, and it's it's one we should shout out uh, Malik again um, mm. because he's been like leading the ticker tape parade to get a second point guard yes and and the point i would say on that is it's also different than even hill and chioza because hill and chioza it was hard with florida because they could just bring wave after wave but you're still dealing with two small point guards who are fast and andrew andrew's a six five pro um so like his vision and sight and that stuff that's a that's still a handful for a defense it's just a different type of handful
1: right and i mean again like i am i expecting um Glaber to come in and score at a really high rate right away um i'm not sure just because i you know just wouldn't want to project that for a lot of freshmen but i mean yeah you see the way he was able to score on some really good players in high school um he's also he also might have a little bit of an individual offensive threat that adrian emhart doesn't provide right and uh, and again all this for saying this is definitely not any shots at adrian emhart who you know I proclaimed as my season MVP on the no, last we're podcast. Into that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Nemhart, but um, I just love the ability to play different dimensions and different styles of basketball. And Florida was limited because they didn't have a backup point guard last year. Um, so at, well, yeah. And even the last, uh, yeah, kind of last two years. So, um, yeah, just uh, I do think this does a lot of a lot of things. I know that a lot of people of course are going to say like, "Oh, Florida needs bigs whatever and they don't like they didn't need another guard. Um they really did need another guard. I don't know what to tell people who who think that they didn't. <laughs> um just look at the look at the amount of bodies they have in the front court right now and most of them are also position locked at the 5. Uh Florida, you know, if Florida can land the the big fish grad transfer at the 5, yeah, they need that, but uh they didn't need another Uh, another, you know, 2019 front court player, but uh, yeah, they really could have used um, they really could have used another 2019 uh, point guard. And I think they got one that was uh, just, just perfect for what they want to do.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a good way to transition to roster return is that, that let's emphasize what we tried to emphasize on the transfer. show? if Florida, Florida's going to add another big, I think, but I think they're trying to get a four who can play
1: inside and out a little bit. Yeah, I do think, I, I think the dream would be honestly either a, a true, like a true four or maybe a three that can also play the four, um, but they, they need someone to play some minutes at the four. Um, yeah. Obviously last year, the the minutes at the four, when Keith Stone went down were Keontae Johnson and Jalen Hudson. Uh, Keontae Johnson did some, did some great things at the four. Um, I'm also just like, not sure that's what you just want for him all the time. Even He's better even at the three, I think. I think so too. And, and even a floor, even if they get a kind of like a four, that can eat a lot of minutes. Keontae Johnson is still going to have to play a lot of the four. So, yep. um, which kind of is what it is, but, um, uh, I do think they definitely need someone who can play who can play the four. I mean, obviously, the, the dream would be someone who can play, you know, 30 minutes at the four, and Keontae Johnson can play 10 minutes at the four and, and 20 minutes at the three or something like that. And then, you know, between him and Scotty, 20 minutes each of the three, and maybe Scotty plays two. Anyways, um, yeah, so I, I think that, that right now the biggest position of need would be a 3-4. I know that in terms of if you look at the starting lineup, the biggest hole is is at the center spot, I would say. Um, just because yeah, I think that's um I think we kinda know roughly the guys who are probably gonna start at one to four, unless a big time four comes in. Um so yeah, you look at the starting lineup and say, Hey, there's a hole at the five, but then you also see like, oh, Dante Bassett, Isaiah Stokes, um, Omar Payne, Gorjak Gak, and, and now uh, Jason Jitobo. I mean, that's a lot of bodies at the five. So um, yes, I would, you know, Florida has their eyes on some, some great fives that can kind of come in and start as grad transfers. Um, if they do that, um, I really hope the other person is someone who can eat a lot of minutes at the four spot slash the three spot. Um, and, uh, even, and if they, for some, if they are not able to grab a starting center grad transfer, um, I think two guys that could play the three, four would be actually kind of what they need next. So, um, yeah, just a couple of different ways they can address that. It's all good points. Um,
0: you know what? We like spend half an hour in McDonald's and Quez Glover, which is great. Uh, and so <laughs> what we're going to do, we're going to throw the change up and go to listener questions so that Sweet. we give these people time. Uh, and and Eric and I like this better anyway. And we can always talk about returning players. Like, you know, we like our freshman class that will be sophomores. Here's why.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's our show. Uh so we have uh Gatorbait oh eight leads us off. Can you guys talk a little bit about how we can now change pace with different mm. lineups? <laughs> I think we did just talk about that. I feel like we could have some very fast lineups with Glover, Man, Lewis, and Johnson all on the floor. I'm gonna let
1: Eric just build on that by talking about the other players. Great question. Yeah, I yeah, I mean just obviously uh Glover makes that a lot different, um for sure. Um also just the ability to um obviously it uh I think just the fact that uh, that Florida is going to be able to, um, I, I honestly think Florida is going to be able to defend at a high level in the, in the full court again, which I know we saw that kind of like we saw a lot of the one, two, two kind of three quarter court passive kind of um, full court press. I mean, once you get a little more length in there with with man and athleticism and and, and Lewis as well. Um, They could probably crank up the pressure a little bit more and and see kind of more a more true press that that uh, maybe kind of goes out a little bit more turnovers because it's kind of funny because you when you play a press, it's kind of two extremes. Either you really, really, really speed the game up or you really, really, really slow the game down and Florida did the slowdown route, which did work for them um but if if they could uh if they could also mix in the uh, trap or a kind of full court trap that's um that would speed the game up i think that would be really interesting because if they could do that speed the game up with the full court trap then also kind of play that one two two that also slows things down um yeah that's a that's a great change of pace that's something that i think it's a good sound there sorry um, about that <laughs> i'm so sorry about that hey no problem um and then yeah you uh Yeah, being able to play a little bit slower, too, just because I think you have some guys that can execute in the half court. I I know last year, a lot of times there was, um, there's situations where it was, um, you know, Florida's half court offense wasn't looking very good. So it was like, hey, like, we need to pick up the pace. Um, well this season when you've got um, Trey Mann adding a lot more offense and maybe Isaiah Stokes is a better offensive presence down low um, maybe you're going to be able to play slow while scoring and and that's the thing is if Florida is scoring in the half court I don't think people are going to be complaining about the pace as much I think they just complained about the pace so much this year because Florida wasn't scoring well and they thought hey if we play faster we're going to score which I don't think is necessarily true but um, uh-huh. it's a little bit of uh it was kind of the thoughts, but Hey, if, if Florida, you know, I think Florida is going to be able to score when the game is slow. And, uh, uh, and yeah, that just means they're going to be able to play a lot more different styles than they did this year.
0: Jordan press asked,
1: we're recruiting a bunch of quicker guards.
0: Now keeping with this theme, if coach decides he wants the offense to run with the personnel, the new personnel, how does Andrew Nimhardt fit in?
1: I mean, the thing is, Andrew Nimhardt like watching him play in high school and also watching with him with the Canadian national team last summer, like he has no problem playing fast. And the thing about being a point guard um, playing fast is that you don't have to actually have to be the one who um, carries the, you know, picks up the ball off in a defensive rebound and, and pushes it yourself. Um, you can play fast by having your wings run out and having a point guard that can do a hit ahead pass. And I think that's something that, um, that Andrew Nemhardt is excellent at. And I think that playing fast, Like I know Andrew Nemhardt doesn't have great speed himself, but he can absolutely play within an offense that plays fast because let's say, you know, ball comes off the rim, uh, grad transfer center grabs the rebound and throws it to Andrew Nembhardt around the free throw line. And at that same point, Keontae Johnson is running one wing and Scotty, Scotty Lewis is kind of driving the other wing if uh, Andrew Nebhardt's ability to just take like three dribbles and then put a pass just absolutely on the money to one of those guys at full speed down the wing so that they can make a play um, that works. I mean, I know Florida's transition offense the last when, when they did have transition offense a couple of years ago it was kind of just Chioza pushing the ball. Um, but that's because Florida didn't really have a lot of wings that were kind of great in transition. But um, you know, with Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis and, and Keontae Johnson, um, those guys can run the wings. So I think that, playing fast is not a matter of you need your point guard to run the ball down the floor a lot of times. Um, I think you can have your point guard, put a, put a pass on the money, just like an outlet pass that gets your wings kind of running out. So um, I do think that playing fast and, Andrew Nimhart, th- those things go together perfectly. I, I actually don't think it's going to be a problem at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not as worried about it. Um, and, and I think it's a good question with Jordan. Cause it does seem like, you know, we got locked into this idea that that Nembhard slowed things down that he's not, cause he's not an elite athlete. Uh, but I don't think that hurts him. And in fact, when Montverde played, but so the backup point guard at Montverde was Michael Devoe, who went to Georgia Tech and started almost every game for Georgia Tech as a freshman, just like Andrew Nimhard. Uh, you know, although Andrew did start every game at Florida, and and when when Montverde went faster, it was almost always Nimhard on the floor. And when, when Montverde went slower, um, they actually like to use Devoe more in those situations which I think is kind of instructive.
1: Yeah, that is some inter- interesting notes. And um, you know what, like once again, talking about, um, you know, freshmen coming in, starting right away. Uh, yeah. I th- Andrew Nemhart, even with another kind of summer of, of strength and conditioning and, and getting his body right, is probably going to have a little bit more just kind of straight line pace, but um, he, he thinks the game fast, he can pass. And you know what, when you can pass the basketball, the ball moves a lot faster than, than people's feet, so um, he doesn't have to be able to to run at an elite level with the basketball in his hands. Um, yeah, he can make things happen with the, with the pass. So um,
0: yeah, looking forward to that. Drew Helmich, um expected starting lineup question: Who do you think sticks around multiple seasons of the new freshmen and the sophomores? Question: How will the offense improve? Where should we start? Good questions, Drew.
1: Do we want to answer starting lineup as? the roster is currently constructed like as if it let's just, just guys.
0: so i want to answer starting lineup by saying asterisk at the four because i still think they're adding someone that starts <laughs> and I'm, then and then uh, you know uh people like might throw stuff at me but i'm gonna say Gorjak gack is the center and then they're gonna go i think you know what? The asterisk at the four might not even be true because it might just be Keontae Johnson. Yeah, I mean like as currently constructed might be might be the way to not get people throwing stuff at me, but I would say
1: Nimhard, Locke, Lewis, Johnson, Gak yeah i i think i would do the same except instead of gack i would just say bassett just because you know he's sure. is this he is the center with the most uh returning minutes sure um but uh but yeah, would it surprise me if it's gack not 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 at all and i think a lot of people too are just like have just totally written off gack and you know what like i kind of understand it i mean oh, when so you go I. that so long without I. playing basketball like i'm not gonna like really argue but there's so many people that's just like like the man is like when's the funeral because i think people think he's they think he died because they just they're they they just don't think he's gonna ever be able to walk again and that, i you know what with a, with two years of recovery i there he could definitely come in and and maybe start but um but yeah just right now i think i just have to say i uh, have to say bassett and bassett's guy who's got better every year so far every off season um so maybe he gets a little better um but uh yeah until proven out of otherwise him but i think yeah we're in agreement that, um, scotty lewis is going to be uh going to be in that starting lineup i do think that Locke is going to start over trey Mann. um though I, the other thing too is i mean uh white has never been scared of, of changing up his starting lineup so i'm sure we'll see a good variety of starting lineups but uh yeah the uh, we know we know that nemhart's going to start every game i you know i t- would definitely uh <laughs> definitely bet on that um yeah lock lock will be out there with his the shooting uh, Scotty Lewis is your kind of wing defender. Um Keontae Johnson, unless they get, you know, a major stud four and, and maybe Keontae Johnson takes the the starting spot of the three. Um and then yeah, kind of insert your center, but there's gonna be some some competition there, uh, unless Florida kinda ends up bringing in a, a big time grad transfer.
0: Yeah, and look, I think Florida's gonna bring in a big time grad transfer. I just um you know, I don't we don't know who it is. So we it's, Yeah, you don't it's wanna a, bank on it. Yeah. Right. It's a tough question to answer without the roster being full. Um but I would say We probably know the one through three. Like, I'm super confident that it's Nimhard, Lock, Lewis, and then we'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, How will the offense improve? We've kind of talked about a lot of that. Uh, You know, just having guys that can score one-on-one will help. A couple different dudes that that they're bringing in can do that. I think Scotty Lewis is a guy who gets fouled quite a bit. Uh, I don't know kind of what Eric's thought is on that, but I think he'll increase Florida's free throw rate. Um, which could help. And then, you know, you obviously hope that Isaiah Stokes develops a little bit more and can help them have some
1: post-presence uh, offense. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. The only thing I'll, I would add is just uh, I think that it took some some time for Florida to realize that kind of the Princeton-style offense is what they want to do. Yeah, it's And cool. this summer they might, uh, if they kind of commit to that, and because and, I, I, I honestly do think they probably spent a lot of last offseason um, kind of working on their motion offense, or probably not kind of. I bet they did a whole lot on their motion offense and maybe some other things and then realize that their motion offense didn't work at the best, didn't work the best. And uh, this season, if they're a little bit more, they kind of just know what they want to do. Um, That means they can be a little bit more focused in their practice, maybe add some more wrinkles through the Princeton. And uh, just that alone, I think actually will, um will become uh will make the offense better. And you know what uh, coach white is kind of one season uh, older, whatever you want to say, like he's had another season of, of Florida basketball under his belt. So he's going to get better as a coach. So um, just those things even just kind of naturally too. not even talking personnel wise, um, I think will lead the, uh, lead the Gators to be better. Um, I mean, and sorry, I said one last thing. Let's also think, Hey, um, <laughs> Nebhardt, Nebhardt's going to get better. Locke's going to be healthy. Just imagine if Locke if yeah. kept up his 15 points a game before he injured his, his hip um, that would make Florida's offense. So just things like that. Um, there's, there's, yeah, there's actually a lot to suggest. There's the Florida's a lot offense of room be better, for improvement. So.
0: And, and yeah. you saw that, I mean, they did improve. 50 efficiency spots in the last month of the season. Not all that's just cuz Jalen Hudson hit some shots, guys.
1: Do you want to make a bold cl- actually no, we shouldn't make a bold claim. I was going you- yeah. to say roster is complete, do bold claims and we'll <laughs> then do Then we the- can make a bold claim about where Florida's offense will be in camp. Let's do Drew's
0: last <laughs> question, which was freshmen and sophomores we expect to stick around. Let's just go in order. So Andrew Nimhard, do you think he plays a third year at Florida? I don't. I do not. Okay, I do. I do. So we're going to split there. Um <laughs> Noah Locke, yeah, I think he's a four-year player. Uh I do as well. Keontae Johnson. I know we've kind of oscillated. I still think he plays 3 before he bounces. What do you say?
1: Uh I'll I'll say 3 as well, but I I'm I'm tempted to go to go with 2, <laughs> but I uh, no, I'll I'll agree with you there.
0: Uh Scotty Lewis, one and done.
1: One and done. Uh, Trey Mann? I'm going to, I'm going two and through. Yeah, I'm going two. I'm going two as well. I can't say three. Three seems like too much. Um, I don't think I'll have the, quite the role on Florida to showcase him enough to be, you know, to for him to explode and be a one and done. But, yeah, two seems like too – or, sorry, three seems like too much. So, two sounds right. Omar Payne? Four. Yeah, I think he's
0: a four-year player too. Uh, Quez Glover? Four-year player. Four. Four. Um, Isaiah Stokes.
1: Uh, I was almost gonna make a grad transfer claim, um, but uh, do it. Um, three in grad <laughs> transfer, uh, yeah. I, I will say he's a four year college player or right. a five year college player. I suppose, I'm going, I'm going future.
0: three in grad transfer on Isaiah Stokes. I'm on record. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, no, I, um. Jason Kessler wants to know if we'll do a Scott Drew edition podcast. We will. We'll, we will start with why it was so easy for Chris Chioza to obliterate his own defense <laughs> and go from there. That's funny. Uh, Michael Pusatera, what changes will be most impactful to making this team a second weekend team for the next couple years? Good Good question. Hmm. Our listeners I mean,
1: brought it, so I just want to say thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, once again, I look at the teams that have kind of that. I mean, this isn't every year thing, um, but you just see the teams that that make it through in the NCAA tournaments, and and just so many games in basketball, especially college basketball, with a thirty second clock, and uh, uh, where there's you know there's not a lot of possessions in the game versus like the NBA game. Um, it comes down to a lot of times these games come down to a few possessions. Look at Florida's season this year; just how many games went down to the final possession. And uh, and you just see like what team is the best um, in those final possessions. And I like once again, like you look at Auburn. I don't think Auburn has outplayed a team for forty minutes. I mean, I know they, I uh, North Carolina, they you know kind of blew through them. But uh, you, I, it just I see. I think like Auburn is just one of the best teams in the last like three minutes of a game be, because of their ability to score in the clutch and also the ability to defend in one possession scenarios where you like need a stop. And I think that that's just like the difference between a good team and a great team is who can get the stop that they need and who can get the score that they need. And I think that Florida is just going to um, have some more better individual defenders, which is what you need to get the the stop in the clutch. And they've got a little bit more um, kind of individual scoring, which I think you need to to, to, score, to kind of get points in the clutch. So um, that is kind of the change that I think is, is the difference between uh, between what we've seen this year and, and last season and, and what kind of things look like moving forward. I like it. Um, Hold on, I
0: lost where the uh, – okay, I found him. Uh, Chris Herbert wanted us to gush about Class Glover. I think we did a whole segment on that. <laughs> uh, Neil Lammers asked, do you think with the players coming in, Mike White will play faster and press more? So we can do press more. And I'll say I don't – I actually think that they kind of found something that they like with that 1-2-2. I think they're going to do it, and what you'll find is it might speed teams up more effectively when Florida's making
1: more baskets. Yeah, I and I think that yeah, that would be a way that if Florida gets ahead, they can play that way. I would just like to see uh, the ability for them to to press a little bit more aggressively for the games they do fall behind a little bit. Yeah, Um, because it just kind of seemed like. Um, in a couple of games where like Tennessee got a little bit ahead or, or Kentucky got a little bit ahead or, or when Auburn got ahead that there's just like, like Florida just couldn't, to, couldn't speed the game up defensively enough um, to create more possessions because uh, they were just so used to to playing the slower style. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is, I mean, like just kind of back to the original question is just like, uh, like Mike White absolutely wants to play faster. There's there's just kind of no question. He also said it in his kind of season ending press conference. That, yeah. um, the team was slower than anything he'd ever played with and um, he wanted to play faster. And um, you know what? There, I, I will say, uh, people who have listened, there's probably a couple people who are listening to this that have been kind of like original listeners of the podcast, and just that just know that I I do think that playing fast is is kind of generally overrated, and and I kind of talked about why. Um, but it was interesting to see. Uh, you know, you look at the Final Four, and Auburn plays fast, and Michigan State plays fast. So there have been a couple teams that have broken through that are that are fast teams. But but once again, I, I do think there's a little bit of a sweet spot um, between kind of just like. Uh, playing it, playing super, super fast and, and or just kind of like being able to score the easy one in transition and if it's not there, kind of slowing it down and getting into your progressions. And I think that's what Florida needs to become, is a team that does look to score on that kind of initial push, but if it's not there taking the ball out and going through their offensive progressions. So um, there's te- a lot of teams that do that that are really good. You kind of look at their Ken Palm numbers and they end up like 90th in tempo or all the way up to like there's some teams like that that are you know like 160th in tempo um but they actually get a lot of transition buckets and i think that that's what florida just like needs to be a team that can get that quick one if they if they get numbers in transition um but if not uh, a team that's kind of comfortable um kind of slowing it down and scoring in their half-court offense as well
0: yeah no i think this is uh these these are all excellent points um that that eric's making and it was telling that white you know, said that they wanted to play faster. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, and I think, I think he liked the way that his elite eight team could do both. And really his team last year, uh, could do both to some extent, like as much as you can with Igor Kulichov banging at the four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of where that is. Sarah and Tampa emailed and just said, um, is there anyone that you're really high on at the forward spot that could come in as a grad transfer other than Nate Sestina, who I fear is going to Kentucky.
1: Thanks. Sarah. Yeah. You are awesome. Yeah, Those questions are always the best. Uh, I mean, when you see, uh, when you see just like the way that Sestina plays and I, I do really love them. But um, but I really think Kentucky is probably a pretty good home for him just because that team is not going to have a lot of guys that can score because that's just what Kentucky is and has a lot of athletes. And Cecita <laughs> and can really score but isn't a great athlete. So surrounding him in Kentucky with players that are super athletic but can't score so that he can be the focus of the offense, you know what, if he goes to Kentucky, that's probably a pretty good choice. But, um you know, the, 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 concept of guys that can play three, four, um, Justin Pierce from William and Mary. Um, I'm not sure I like love him at the four just because he is pretty thin. Um, but a guy that could definitely play some minutes there. He's, he's a forward that I, that I really like. And, um, uh, just with his ability to score, um, just being six, seven, either kind of bring some lake that the, at the three or yeah, play some spot minutes at four. So, um, I would say he's definitely more on the three side, but Justin Pierce is probably my, um, someone I like. And then, uh, just one more. Um, and I know this is not a, a this uh, again, maybe not the, the sexiest of of players to bring in, um, but Trey Wade, who is a, a JUCO transfer who played at South Plains. Um, he started his career at UTEP and actually had a really good freshman year, and then went the uh, went to a, did a, did a year of JUCO. Um, not a super super skilled offensive player, um, not super big. He's another like three four guy that would be kind of undersized of the four, but but is a really good rebounder. Um, yeah, he's another guy I'm intrigued with just because yeah two years of eligibility. Being a JUCO transfer, and I would say is just a kind of a a safe. Um, you know, he's going to really defend. He's going to be able to play those uh, some spot minutes of the four. Though he's not like the maybe the long term four solution, but he's another guy kind of have my eye on. As also a guy who I think is um, kind of maybe one of the, I guess like realistic ones. Just because yeah, he's a he's a JUCO transfer, and um, I, you know it's not like Florida's kind of fighting Kentucky for him. Yeah, I mean, look, they they reached out to him. Um,
0: I think that they probably see him a little bit the way they saw Justin Leon, um. Although Leon was a little bigger, of course, uh. But still, you know, we talk about an undersized guy at the <sighs> four. He's still six six, so right. Um, that still adds size at that position that Florida didn't really have unless they were dropping Jalen Hudson down there, <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and hoping that that you know went well. Uh, so I think. You know, and the other thing that's better about that is that now with the guy like with more traditional wings like Keontae Johnson and Scotty Lewis, there's always going to be wing help. So you can play a little undersized four and get away with it better when the rest of your roster is constructed a little differently. Um, and, and, you know, and to be quite honest, I mean, we just saw a Nevada team with a bunch of guys that are all six, seven play pretty effectively on the glass all season. And, and that kind of uh, examples, so I think you're, you know. Once you get to six six, you if let's for example, let's say he was on the floor, you would have six five and Nimhard, you know potentially six four and Man, six six and Scotty Lewis, six six and Wade and whoever your five is. That's a pretty big team.
1: Yeah, and the T- TCU is another team that I thought was really successful to, uh, against Florida with that kind of length. So, um, you know what? This is totally backtracking. But um, talking about rebounding is I just forgot I was gonna say this about Florida's ability to play fast. I think a lot of people look at the fact that Florida um, just like didn't look to want to push the ball it sometimes is why they play slow. But let's also remember that like Florida really, really struggled on the defensive glass. Yeah. and the fact that they had to go all out to try to um, to try to secure the defensive glass does not put you in a position to run in transition once you get the ball. So I think um, yeah, I think that um, thinking about some of these bigger lineups that control the glass, um, that also will help um, playing fast. That's the, uh, yeah, just something that I could just forgot that I was going to mention is, um, yeah, I think Florida's rebounding struggle also didn't help their ability to play fast. And um, yeah, as we talk about these lineups that can rebound the ball, that's part of the reason I think it's important.
0: So we should probably mention, or at least briefly address the one other player to kind of close the show that Florida has looked at as a wing and Matt Millen is Justin Pierce's teammate. Ed William and Mary, I guess they've contacted him and he's another guy who is from Florida. Um, So I think, you know, the staff is trying to play some of those connections. Well, I know we're all waiting on Kerry Blackshear. We're just not going to talk about him on the show until something happens there. Um, You know, what he decides to do is, is up to him, but uh, Millen would give the team, you know, another wing
1: and one that can hit three pointers. Yeah. He's a really good shooter. (laughs) It's around 40% on, on, on really high volume. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, you kind of see the the role that he kind of projects to for sure. Um, just as a guy who can just spot up and and, and shoot. So uh, that's kind of just um, yeah. You look at his you look at his game. You look at the analytics, and yeah, he's he's a guy who can really shoot the ball. I, I, he doesn't. Uh, uh, he's not a guy. I think you want to play in the four. I think he's kind of a true three, or maybe a maybe play him at the at the two at times. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting to, to to see that Florida has uh, has kind of went after some guys that are just like true shooters. Um, th- th- that's about it. And um, I think there's definitely some value to that as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see, cause like, um, like, let's say, let's say Florida had their pick between, between Millen and Trey Wade. Um, Wade probably provides more, well, does definitely provides more rebounding, more defense, um, a little bit more size, more toughness. Um, and then you've got Millen who provides way more shooting and just like that pure threat of the catch and shoot. And it'll be just interesting to see what they prioritize between those two. Yeah,
0: and, you know, I think people are going to get irritated if it ends up being a 6'6 wing and a 6'5 wing. And, you know, if that's the evaluation that the staff makes, I, you know, to be candid, I think it it is a bit of a gamble just because you're kind of banking on getting something from Gorchak Gak so you don't have to play Omar Payne a ton of minutes uh, as a freshman. Um, But, uh, you know... It, it, it would still help Florida's roster as it currently stands. So I think you just, you know, I think ideally Florida will add a power forward and a wing and, and that's how they'll close out this roster, but uh, there's still a lot of time. So let's just kind of leave it at that and, and we'll burn the, criticize the staff bridge when we have to.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing talking about, yeah, talking about projector roster. It's like, yeah, I, I would, you know, I would, do backflips of joy if carrie blackshear came but yeah until uh you know he hasn't even said he's grad transferring yet so like it's uh, it's maybe just a little bit premature i guess even though i have talked about it a lot so i'm kind of also guilty of being uh being premature but um yeah we'll kind of see uh we'll see when that actually happens we'll see uh, we'll see when we get some of these names that um we hear coming on visits or, or come down or maybe announce their final schools things like that that's um yeah we can start to look um a little more
0: Yep. I would agree. So that's our, uh, that's our show this week and we are going to do a roster show. I mean, we have a lot of time. Um, (laughs) Florida doesn't have a full roster yet. Uh, but they got a lot closer, uh, this week than they were last week. So there's two spots still to fill and grad transfer season really heats up after the final four ends anyway. So, uh, we'll see how it goes and thanks for listening again. And thanks for all the great listener questions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. On today's show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com, and myself will break down the guards for the Gators in our roster review. We'll talk about the season that the returning guards had, uh, a little bit of what's to come with the two incoming guards, and we'll also get into a couple transfers, Anthony DeRougi Uh, is one who will be on campus this weekend he'd be a sit one play two we're going to talk about him also talk about a potential big man transfer from Drexel break down his game a little bit Uh, thanks everybody for listening for dropping the ratings on uh, iTunes thanks to the Gators breakdown guys for the shout out on their show really appreciate it make sure you check out Dave and those guys uh, for your spring game recap and um, we hope you enjoy this show